Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a very special episode of the Para Podcast. Today, the revolution will not be on television. It will hopefully be downloaded and it will hopefully be streamed uh, because Hamish is away on a holiday to Fiji and they've put me in charge for some god-awful reason. Uh, this is 4020 and we have with us uh, Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, mate. Uh, we got Ham Sandwich. You! <laughs> My man. And we've got Paramatis. Hi guys, good evening. Good to have you here, boys. Alrighty, so we're going to dig into the carcass of round 11. I suppose that's the nicest way of putting it, before having a look at what's going to happen in round 12. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Uh, in the NRL game on Friday, 6pm, Parramatta hosted the Warriors at ANZ. Uh, unfortunately, New Zealand ran out victors 24-14. Try scorers for the Eels were Quentin Gufferson and Manu Ma'u. Mitchell Moses knocked over two from two uh, from the kicking tee for conversions, and he also hit a penalty goal. So he was 100% from the tee from three attempts. Uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Oh, first half was just horrible. Too many errors. Basically, you make eight errors in the first half, including Norman failing the fine touch from a penalty and King kicking out on the full and tackle four inside his own half. You keep giving yeah, those, them the other two possession, really, you know? They really jump out um, when you first recall yeah. the game. They were both turning points, especially the King one, I think. I know, I, I think that people will find the normal one more egregious because of the, the context of, you know, not finding touch on a penalty. But they scored directly from that King um, yes. error. So, yeah, that, well, that got really hooked. hurt. That first half was awful. Um, anything else in that first half stand out, PM? Anything worth um, you know, praising? Yeah. Well, we, we actually had more time in the opposition half and more time in the opposition 20. But we we did manage to score a point our bar a penalty goal which we scored early. So, yeah, I mean that, that's been an issue yeah. year long, hasn't? It? Is converting red zone presence yeah. to points. We've um we've lacked a bit of direction from the halves. We've lacked a bit of punch through the middle to, to compress the defense in the red zone. And as such, when we go wide, we've been ushered in the touch quite easily. And unfortunately, and then, in the first half, that was very much on show again. It it did rectify yes. itself somewhat in the second half. But to the Warriors' credit, they defended like crazy. Uh, Mitchell Moses threw some really, yeah. really good short balls. And I know we've been talking about getting that back rolls attack back on the inside, you know, coming on that unders line to keep the um, the interior component of that edge defense a little bit more honest. And they did just that because uh, Bo Scott was over, I think, two, maybe three times, or maybe Dave Gow was one of them too. And it was just cracking shoestring tackles that saved certain tries. Yeah, we actually won a penalty count. In the first half, the penalty count was 8-3 to us. I think it ended up something like 11-7 or something. So we actually got a bit of the rub of the green that way. But as you said, the Warriors' defence was outstanding throughout that whole game. If you look around to the second half, again, we had time in opposition 20. We had 12 minutes compared to the Warriors' four. We got two tries on the ball, but we gifted them two tries. Yeah, that, that's the The last the two tries, yeah, you know, that's it. We fought back, we got in, we got in front, and then we gifted them two tries. Uh, Ham, did anyone impress you? And conversely, did anyone earn your ire this week? I know there was a, um, some good efforts and some bad efforts across the park. I might be kicked off the podcast, and I have to be uh, honest here. Uh, uh, but here we go. I haven't watched the game yet. Uh, <laughs> I was at the gig, and I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to watch. Didn't want to spoil it for myself because I had a recording, and I was standing outside, and someone spoiled the game for me, and I was very disappointed. And I don't want to watch another loss, especially on re- replay. 
this this, this works so, out this works out perfectly because this lets me segue into the podcast ace birdie what you got for me mate what, what's the breakdown from our round 11 loss oh so i actually made it to the game you know so hey, I thought, well done, mate. listen i want to be there when morata makes his debut so I've, i would like to note that the war it felt like a warriors home game Either that or I was on the wrong side of the stadium because it all was, I could hear... It was a very weak crowd. I mean, it's a Friday 6 p.m. game. I can't attend those due to work, which means that it's, you know, anyone that's got a 9-6 to six or an 8-6 to six like me, in my case, it's a 6-6, six to six, unfortunately. Um, it, it's impossible to make those 6 p.m. games. So it allowed, yeah, the, crowd it, allowed, the crowd wasn't terrible. That was 11 no, thousand. I thought it was pretty good for 6 But when, when, when you start hitting the 10K or thereabouts mark, it allows for the uh, away fans to get a far more parochial component of the crowd you know there and obviously the Warriors are doing better than Parramatta so it's no surprise that Bertie was hearing um, pretty strong Warrior fan I actually there. missed the um, kick off like I was sitting down what, what's, uh, what's going on podcast we need to have a talk <laughs> we need to have a talk yeah. what's going on I just well, um, so I want to listen to it on the Triple M because I don't want to sit there listening to the crowd so I was waiting for Triple M and then I could hear the Triple M kick off and I was like oh I kicked off I look up and we had the ball already and I was like okay so it must be delayed so I was like it was one of those days I reckon nothing went nothing was impressive. You started off with the touch football, you know, and then you get to the game, it's it's cold, it's versus the Warriors, it just seemed like nothing went our way and you know, all their tries were off fluky errors. You know, it's yeah. just I mean and let, let's give the Warriors some credit yeah. here because they've they've played a very gritty brand of football the entire year where they rely on their defence to create opportunities further down the track where you know they, they do enough to win. They you know they, they they're gritty, they'll capitalise on opposition mistakes just like they did with us. Um, it's very, I wouldn't say perfectly similar. I think we had a little bit more attacking foot, attacking flair, funnily enough, last year. But it's a, it's a similar concept where you know you're you're building from your defense, and you know there there is an adage that defense wins premierships or championships, whatever sort of sport you're in. And you know for yeah. for the Warriors, I think this is true this year. They're building nicely on that side of the ball, and the rest of their play comes from there. Um, unfortunately, there were some real clangers for us. I think personally, George Jennings, who's been quite strong in first grade had that real big bludger in the first half when um, he didn't contest the bomb, which was fine. Uh, but then when he had a chance to wrap up the ball in the last in the corner, he just fell off the tackle, which allowed a... Uh, uh, who was on that end? Um, uh, Hiku was scored, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Hiku. I'm having a brain fight. Peter, Peter Hiku, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. To just dive over. Um, that was, for me, very reminiscent of our first game against the Tigers. Yes. We had those two tries, one on either edge, where we could have bundled Kevin Naguama into touch, but bounced over the top of him, and um, you know he goes over in the corner for a backbreaker early on, and it was the same case here. The Warriors raced out to a twelve to two lead, to, you know ten points in a, in advance of the Eels, and what was the end difference? Ten points. Yeah. To our credit, we rallied really nicely in the second half. Uh, I think the team looked a lot more cohesive when we saw Mitchell Moses take the reins. Is that fair to suggest? True, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we, I thought Mitchell had a pretty good game, and in defense as well. He only, he only missed two tackles. He made a couple of really good one-on-ones in his own 20. And so. the, the effort was there. He, um, notably in the red yeah. zone, I thought he was leading the line speed without compromising the defensive line. He made a couple of big reads and big um, initial contact on Warriors back rows and forwards yep. that were sent his way. Uh, for me, I think the play that's... This isn't just... Um, for one round I think over the last few weeks Penny Terepo's really stepped up to the plate no Nathan Brown uh, Tim Mann has been knocked out with a, a fractured eye socket so we've needed to have a little bit of go forward in the, the engine room and he's done that and he's also added a little bit to his game with his ability to I don't want to say crab because he, he doesn't quite crab but he, 
he sort of drifts across field and it puts a defense in two minds. And today we saw the next extension of that where he finds a, a link man in Manu Ma'u who hit that crash line and scored. So that was a nice little foil to the um, the attacking uh, repertoire for the Eels. I thought the second half was really good after the break. I think we completed our first 15 or 16 sets in the second half, and that's when we got the ascendancy and got back in the front. And then we just had that lapse again and allowed the Warriors back into the game. They scored them two soft tries. Because at one stage it looked like, you know what, we're going to win this game. Yes. And yeah, then, we, it was very much you know, shades bat- of 2016 and 2017 in our play, but just those, once again, those lapses in concentration. Uh, yeah, I think Mitch, Mitch got, got a bugger off. of a bounce. Yeah, we got exactly. Moses copped an absolute cracker of a bounce on his goal line, which led to a try. Uh, Will Smith, unfortunately, wasn't quite awake to a, a quality Brad Takarangi offload. And then at the very end, this was, a, this. I mean, this is your season in a nutshell here, is that Gufferson, you know, the guy that's your heart and soul of a team, takes the wrong option down the right edge to put the game, you know, put the game away. He hits Michael Jennings instead of George Jennings, which would have put George over untouched. Yeah. Michael thinks that it's going to George and, you know, makes a terrible play at the ball. The ball bounces into a Warrior to knock on. It's picked up by a Warrior in an offside position, which means that there is no advantage to the Warriors. It should have been a scrum um, feed 10 metres out. Instead, the Warriors race 30 metres downfield and Isaac Luke scores at the end of that set. And that was what put yep. the game beyond um, beyond reach for the Eels. So that, that little sequence of, you know, shit, you know, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, this is um, mm. our season in a nutshell. We shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, the referees unfortunately didn't and to be fair to them that's not exactly an easy call to make in the heat of the moment but you know it's a missed call and it contributes to the Warriors icing the game uh, for, just, just want to uh, clarify did Cameron King get hooked because mm. I remember him kicking out of the floor and that's the, that's the last I saw of him it's it's hard to say uh, given that he's been somewhat in the bad graces of the club um, administra- the football administration in recent weeks you, you could make a case for it but he's been as we'll get to later he's been named as a starting nine this week so it might have been a case of just trying to get someone that's got a little bit more energy for the ruck and Will Smith on and who, who played a pretty good game in general just he had that one unfortunate mistake uh, and the other eels that stood out for me uh, Matangi had a good game in attack uh, nearly 150 metres off 15 carries only 10 tackles with one miss though that's a little bit of a concern um, you've got to be a genuine offensive weapon if you're going to pull that sort of uh, imbalance in your, your attacking and defensive numbers for mine. David Gow continues to play great football. Um, the big man's playing through the middle as a prop these days, but he's got great footwork at the line. Unfortunately, he hasn't... I don't know if it's whether Gufferson's not quite up to speed or due to our attacking structures, pushing him out wide further on, f- f- pushing him out wide earlier on in sets, sorry, that he's not there to back up through the middle. You know, a couple of offloads a game are going, are going missing. And of course, Bertie's man Murata got his maiden game. The numbers weren't impressive considering he came on late in the the, the affair. But uh, four runs for nearly 40 metres and 12 tackles, zero missed. Had a good work rate for that uh, sort of 10 to 12 minute period that he was on. And his opportunity unfortunately came at the expense of Bo Scott, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, for those that don't know, Bo's done his ACL, uh, which means that his uh, season is over and quite possibly his career. So that's quite unfortunate whether you think he's been playing good football or not. All right, so give, that's the wrap, I think, as the fellas. Is there anything else? Well, I just want to give up. Um, yeah, just give Penny Terrapo a wrap, I think, from his game. I thought he played really well. Um, 13 sorry, runs for 140. Petty Terrapo. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we 13 gave runs before, but it's a second shout. It's definitely worth it, mate. He's, um, yeah, 27 tackles, no missed. Yeah. He was great, and, and 145 metres. And some of his runs, and... Also, the off the, the drift across field and pass to Mahu Mahu to get the try. 
that was really something that I don't think the Warriors defense expected in the pass there. And it's a nice so little used to point just run straight for hard. our attack in general. It, it sort of takes a lot of pressure off the halves, but the, the flip side to that is that it requires our pack to be working in numbers. And in yes. recent weeks, Penny's done that without finding an option runner, and it's been quite telling. And obviously, you know, this week we have Manu Ma'u doing just what we want, coming in flying, and it makes that huge difference. He goes over and scores. Yeah. Uh, Birdie, Ham, I mean, Ham, Ham, you got nothing, I know. But Birdie, you got anything to add, mate? Thanks. I thought, as he's all said, a terapo was his best game. I thought Manu's been really good lately, and I yeah. thought it, it's probably maybe moving to Lockwood might be a good option, you know, because he's got the leg speed to, like, yeah. um. One, get, like, to get make quick yards. So. One criticism of Manu, I will say, is that he has a tendency to push a, a reckless offload when we're chasing points. We saw it in the first half. But his play's been very good in general. The move to lock sort of breathed a little bit of life into his game, and it's given him a license to attack on both edges, which I do like. He scored that try down the right edge uh, off Penny Trepo's pass. So he's playing left, right, and middle in that lock role. Alrighty, so for those that didn't catch it, Warriors defeated Parramatta 24-14. Parramatta, unfortunately, still at the bottom of the table. One win behind uh, the Cowboys and the Dogs. Is that right? Um, not 100% Sorry, sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just, just giving a wrap on the NRL out of there, Birdie. Okay, moving on to other games for the Parramatta Eels. We had the Wentworthville Magpies uh, playing the Mounties. Um, unfortunately, Mounties don't have two names, just the Mounties. Uh, the Mounties were uh, the first seed in the competition coming into this week, and Wenty were chasing a spot in the top four. Unfortunately, Wenty lost 34-24. to 24. Um, Mounties raced out to a big lead in the first half. They um, were, I think it was about 20 points up at one point, maybe 24-0. Uh, Wenty, unfortunately, bombed the first try. Uh, well, I don't know if it was bombed, but the I think the marginal forward pass call went against uh, Eddie Aiono down on um, one of the flanks and Mounties replied with the huge rush of points. The Magpies rallied for, uh, to their credit with Jamin Salmon and Reed Marniweed in the way, two of the Eels' youngsters. Uh, try scorers were Dane Ackerflower, Reed Marni, Ray Stone, and CSI Vave. With, if you, if you can't manage to catch the highlights, ra, ra, sorry, I'm going to say Ray Stone, Jamin Salmon laid on a peach of a try assist with a, a really powerful carry down the right edge and an offload going into traffic. Uh, Reed Marnie set up Vave and Stoney, is that right, if I recall correctly? I think he put over two big boys and scored a try himself, so a couple of the young players really stepping up there. Unfortunately, if you had a chance to read the match report, uh, Nathan Davis made a late error for a potential four-pointer, which sort of halted the momentum of the comeback, and Mounties turned that into a try themselves, which led to that 10-point deficit. Uh, I don't think anyone here was on hand for that game, is that right? No, I just saw the uh, highlights on New South Wales Rugby League, but it was good to see um, Salmon's running game. You know, yeah. he's got—I think he's got the strength of a of a second rower sort of thing. He seems to break tackles when he wants to, runs and at the nine ni- line nicely, and it was sort of like a basketball pass. Yeah, it definitely was. Top. Yeah, he sort of got to that second line of defense once they got through his onto his line break, and he basketball locked it over the top for Danaka out to dive over. Yeah, uh, and you um, know, it's really I was just going to say on that that aspect you mentioned of running that's the most important thing for a young playmaker I think is to develop a strong running game which then lets your um, kicking and passing come on as the secondary options but you were saying him? Yeah um, I was just going to wrap Akaflau for putting in some uh, strong run meters from the, from the stats um, 
put in another uh, 90 plus meter game and I think he made 21 tackles or something ridiculous like that according to um, their stats was just amazing oh you know for a 21 year old I think he's outperforming Alvar who's you know supposed to be a seasoned first oh, yeah. grader premiership winning centre uh, so yeah um, we've mentioned it before but Dane's progress has been pleasing this year he had a really dreadful end to the 2017 season with you know culminating that horror game in the MYC grand final and he's bounced back nicely. He's you know playing some good fundamental footy. And despite not getting as many attacking opportunities as he probably like, given Wenty's issues in the playmaking stocks until recent weeks, he's done a good job for himself. So that is encouraging to see. And hopefully he keeps building on that because you know good centre depth is always appreciative. Uh, moving on now to the jersey flag. Finally a positive result for the Eels. Uh, coming off that two-week bye, which is a global two-week bye in that competition, the Eels, who also played the Mounties, much like in the ISP, uh, almost flipped the scores. Not quite, but close. Uh, Eels 32 defeated Mounties 24. Uh, the returning John Orsione Fanua scored a double. Jesse Cronin, Noel Akafalau, younger brother of Dane, Dylan Brown and Dylan Clifford all got over for tries. Uh, Dylan Brown was 4 from 7 off the tee. Uh, so a nice uh, reversal of the scoreline and it keeps the Eels in touch with the top 4. I think they're 6 coming into this round now but they're only uh, one point behind fourth place. Uh, I know from having a chat to a couple guys in attendance and some good sources, uh, Dylan Brown, Stefano Toikamanu and Jesse Cronin feature prominently uh, amongst all of a good play. And the newcomer who we saw in the preseason, uh, Todd Sapienza, who is a Sydney Shield product. He was uh, in the team of the year there last year at halfback, has um, come on nicely in this grade as he replaces the very talented uh, Joe Tapari, who unfortunately hurt his knee a few weeks back. Uh, so that good win for the juniors. Uh, I don't think you're out there, were you, Ham? Nah, not no, getting out to. I think yeah. it was at Leichhardt yeah, on it was the Saturday. Leichhardt at an awkward time in early in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, speaking to a couple of guys that were in attendance. Uh, shout out to Para through and through, and uh, one of my other sources who I can't disclose. Uh, speaking like a big shot, it's nothing that important. <laughs> uh, the Eels overcame a three to eleven penalty count, which is pretty impressive especially in the younger grades where it's hard to uh, do just that, overcome such a significant handicap uh, in field position and possession. But they did that. I think Mounties were, uh, if I just check my resource here. Yeah, Mounties were in front of us, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Mounties have been a top yeah, they, team they for were, most of the year. So the Eels yeah, are... Yeah, um, with the win, we jumped uh, above them. So That's right. And we're, yeah, they're in front of us. We're, we're keeping in touch with the top four, which is where you want to be if you're not in it. So that's a good sign. And the most encouraging thing is that a couple of the young guys, like I mentioned before, Dylan Brown, who would be well-known by most para fans of the podcast, um, you know, a young playmaker that's on the rise. Stefano Toikamanu, who's uh, SG Ball eligible prop, doing very good things there. And, uh, you know, sort of a court, we, I mentioned my blog on the weekend, but, you know, we saw Payne Haas get obliterated in the NRL, who was one of the most impressive physical specimens. Stefano is sort of in that mould as a, a young forward so hopefully, they, I mean, I say hopefully, I know that the club are looking in his best interest here as they bring him on slowly. Um, and for the flag, I think that'll probably do us. Uh, in the minor grades, Ron Massey Cup, uh, went he had a big win uh, going for the 50-burger over Asquith, 50 points to 14. Uh, Sydney Shield, went he 34, defeated Asquith, 16. And I'll do one that uh, Hamish doesn't usually do because in Sydney Shield, Guildford is also a feeder club for the Eels. Uh, Guilford 30 defeated Belrose 22. Uh, and that I think does us for results from NRL down. There was no women's uh, premiership this week past. 
they had the bye, and they're back on in the coming week, is that right? Yeah, I've got them there in the coming week. So they'll play... Sorry. Play? I'm not sure. Uh, the women's? Yeah, yeah the they're back this week. They're back, sorry. But the, the quality control of um, 40 right now means you can put them in the preview box. So <laughs> I'm going to quickly rectify that as we move into the news. So a couple of pieces of news for the ill. Some good, some bad, uh, some thereabouts. Uh, we'll start with Kenny Edwards. And we knew it was coming. We talked about it on the podcast last week. Uh, one indiscretion too much for the uh, the Joker, for Parramatta's uh, character player. Um, running from the police on an unlicensed uh, driving charge was too much for the club. And uh, to Kenny's uh, benefit, I'd say, they chose to uh, grant him a release rather than firing him, which is semantics, I suppose, given the fact that he was going to be fired at any point, but it looks better on the resume for whatever it's worth. Thoughts, fellas? Uh, disappointing, because I think Ken Edwards, you know, he's, for all the stuff he did on the field and how much he garnered attention for whether it be the Kenny Cramp or his cuddle or, you know, what have you, um, it was actually a really positive player, I thought, for the for the team and for the environment. Um, from an outside looking in perspective, he sort of he brought a lot of energy off the bench. Um, you know, he's, he was a good player where he could make, if, if you need him to, he could make 40 tackles. If you if you need him to, he could make 130 metres. So um, disappointing. But in saying that, uh, yeah, just one too many um, off-field incidences from him. Uh, none of them, you know, were as bad as what other players have done that are still playing. But... Um, you know, just too long, just too much, too too many. Uh, you can't. You got to. You got. You do have to set an example um, at some stage. And you know, for what for what it is, Kenny Edwards um, unfortunately has to leave the club. PM. Birdie. PM. Any thoughts? Um, yep. I reckon maybe. Uh, <sighs> I reckon maybe performance had a thing. Look, let's be honest. His off-field record is not that good, or that. You know, but I just reckon maybe he won't. He probably won't be the only one that's going to have a tough decision at the end of the year. Like you look at maybe maybe we might be getting rid of a few players, and you know this is just a perfect ex- excuse or reason to move him on. You know because we've got a couple of youngsters coming through, and like in the second row, so maybe it's just like. I don't know. I reckon performance had a, had a, had a part in this as well. It wasn't the like the main issue, but I reckon it had a, uh, a play in it. Why we That's got rid of him? That's an interesting take. Uh, PM, you got anything to add, mate? Yeah, yeah. For all the talent he had, just the poor bloke had a problem with his uh, error of judgment off the field, and he's made a few errors, and everybody's made errors in their life, but he's probably just made too many in a shorter time. Um, it's a shame. I hope he picks up a gig somewhere else so there, there was talk um, on his I think he posted on his Instagram that he'd be looking for some uh, team overseas so maybe he'll pop up in the English Super League or something because I don't think he should be lost to the game I think he's got too much talent but yeah it's something that had to happen if you're in a employment especially a high profile one like this and all these things come out they're going to get out in the media it makes your club look bad it makes you as a player look bad and there's only so many chances you can get before you need to be moved on. But I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes because I think he's been a pretty good servant to the club on the field. And to Kenny's credit, he released a statement on Instagram following his uh, mutual release from his uh, contractual obligations with the Eels. Uh, I will be forever in debt to this club 
for the opportunity, for believing in me, but for most of all, giving me the chance to fulfill my lifelong dream of playing in the NRL. To our fans, I thank you for engaging in the character I am, to my teammates who I'll have who I will have lifelong friends from, and most of all, my coach who believed in me and gave me the confidence to be the player I am. Forever in debt. In saying that, I'm very excited to be entering the next stage of my career. So nothing too fancy, but you know, he does give um, shout-outs to the fans, to his coach, to the club. And uh, I think it's fair to say thanks, Kenny, for what you've done. It's unfortunate the way we parted, but you know, best of luck in your next chapter, mate. Yeah, and um, you know, looking at something I suppose more positive now, um, you know, what, what are we going to do? I, I assume the NRL will allow us to open up his spot in the top thirty. So I wonder what happens there, and with his money going forward. Um, yeah, so I, I imagine should be my, on about three hundred grand. I reckon my my take there is twofold. Firstly, with the top thirty, it's be interesting because. Clubs are mandated to have 29 players rostered at this point in time in the season with the 30th spot uh, to be fulfilled by, I think, is it the June 30 deadline, essentially, or thereabouts. Yep. So yeah. I'm not sure what sort of leeway we will get with uh, filling that out, filling out our top 30 with the 29th position. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. You've got to, you've got to imagine it'll be an internal promotion. Like, the club is obviously looking for someone outside to bring in, but the market's pretty scarce there this year. And you've got a couple of kids that are featured in the shadow roster on the NRL team list now, and Jamin Salmon and Ray Stone, both of which are probably going to be worthy candidates for that position. The other side of that is that uh, Kenny's wage would have been pro rata. So I think wages begin for the NRL. Uh, I could be mistaken on this, but I think they begin with preseason. So that's yeah, the, November. The, the pay yeah, only from that. November. So he's essentially being paid half his wages. So if Hamish is right about his wages roughly, the Eels will have about $150,000 free this year, uh, pro rata. And next year, obviously, at Queensland, he was contracted until next year. Is that right? Am I making this up? Uh, yeah, he, end of 2019. End of 2019, because he extended a little while ago. So the Eels obviously have all that cap space cleared up, because you've got to imagine that the mutual release would have been on the contingency that the Eels don't pay anything, or you at least hope so. Uh, okay, anything else to add to the Kenny Edwards? Uh, I don't want to say saga, but... Uh, conclusion guys I'm just going to miss those Kenny cramps oh yeah I mean and that that is worth mentioning that the game loses one of its real character players a guy that opposition fans love to hate that para fans love to love uh, and there's too few of them these days I mean I like that, that and um, his captain captain one of the captain runs uh, goal kick challenges you know he used to <laughs> on his, yep <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what about that, the, that's one the NRL's the, never had to ever send out a notification to a player and warn them about cuddling the opposition players after trials? <laughs> <laughs> but with Kenny, <laughs> they had to. Kenny, yeah. Happens, yeah. So it's a real shame because the product is... I don't mind the the cliche, you know, generic sort of replies when it comes to sports. Uh, it's an important part of building a good brand. But at the same time, you do want your character players in there. Kenny was absolutely one of those guys. And there's very, very few of them in the NRL. Uh, so on that note, mate, uh, best of luck in your future endeavours. Now for some good news. Uh, it's been long rumoured, but rarely cited as far as an official release is, uh, is concerned. Junior Polo will be joining the Eels in 2019 on a four-year deal. So we're bringing home the prodigal son. Been doing a lot of that lately. Jared came home this year, Junior next year. Uh, Tony yeah, Williams. Yeah, Tony Williams, that's right. There's another one. So uh, been a big focus on recruitment. Where, whichever way it's panned out, has been a, a focus maybe unintentionally in recruitment. But the Eels get one back. Uh, we really missed him when he left. He obviously signed a very lucrative deal in Canberra at the time. He returns on a, a rumoured uh, four-year $2.8 million deal, so $700,000 give or take uh, media inflation 
or deflation. So that's um, pretty much the going rate for a decent prop these days. Forts guys, we need to add some size to the pack. There's been some talk about the interchanges going down to six. Uh, what are you? Which way do you go on both of those factors when it comes to Junior coming home? Uh, first of all, just absolutely fantastic signing. Um, it was uh, it was disappointing to lose him. I thought um, we lost him when he was only 22. So uh, you know, he's, even now we're getting him back at 24, 25, uh, hitting the prime years for a prop. Um, my issue is. Not with the interchange uh, going down to six. I think that's a ridiculous um, excuse from Canberra supporters for losing him or a way to bag the signing uh, from Parramatta supporters or any supporters from that. Uh, when he was here, Junior Paula was pumping out you know, 50, 60 minutes a game at 120 kilos. Um, he's a bit bit more than that now. Um, but you know, he's still getting through um, 30, 40 minutes a game, still getting 100 he had a meters a game, game so. a couple of weeks ago. So he's he's got the the juice to go the distance. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, so I think I think um, weight is my issue at the moment. I, I think there was a report somewhere. I'm, I might be wrong about this, but he returned after uh, World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah, at about 140 kilos or something. That's just ridiculous. He's, yeah, him and there's no him way should be playing at that. And and uh, face Lailua got fat clubbed for quite a while yeah um, I think for him to be at his best he needs to be about 120 maybe 125 at at tops Um, I think we can get him down to that it just all depends whether he wants to get down to that Um, but yeah four years fantastic signing Um, exactly what we need some breaking tackles in the middle and it'll be exciting to see him run alongside Brownie um, and potentially Manu Mo. Birdie? Um, uh, I, 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 can't, I don't want to make a, a, a switch here, honestly. I'm going to be honest, guys. He's caught me off uh, on a bat. I was just literally reading something on Twitter. But okay. going back to Junior Paulo. <laughs> junior Paulo. Let's get back there. I, I, I can't make a, 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 um, a comment on it because... So what's his averaging minutes? Because my biggest fear is he's going to be averaging less than 40 minutes because of his size. And his minutes are down this year. Down, you know? His minutes are down this year, but he did have a 54-minute game a couple of weeks ago where he pumped out the numbers and um, really was left to to run it out in the field. So he's still got it in him, but like Hamish was saying, the the KGs on the frame at the moment probably aren't doing him any help when it comes to pumping up his endurance and you know getting that efficiency out across the course of a, a longer stint. It's a bit strange that last year, or sorry, this year we signed Kane Evans, a completely different body than what we're used to having. And now that we've gone back to going, we've gone back and signed someone that's with Junior again. Like, it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not two can, you know, be a good combo together. I think there's together, something to be, to be said, about, said about having a bit of diversity in your body shapes in the pack. I know myself and, and Ham have talked about this in the past on a private level, but, you know, if you sort of have one type of forward it does make it a little bit easier to game plan around because even if they're a big athletic forward, if there's only one type of them, you can do the same thing to all five, um, five or six of them. So um, Junior is not exactly short, but he's a little bit squatter than Kane. Um, but he's got that fridge-like build, I suppose, is the, the best way of putting it. He's very hard to tackle, gets good offload, and he's got a bit of ball playing in him. So he, he adds a few different uh, levels of danger to the opposition defense. Um, but PM, you got anything to add to that, mate? Oh no, has PM dropped out again? You there, buddy? Yeah. Um, just looking at oh, the stats. 
on the nine matches he's played this year, um, he's averaging about 45 minutes a game. So that's not too bad. And as you say, he's got to lose a bit of weight. Lose a bit of weight, you might suck another five or six minutes out of him per game. So if he can get down to about 118 kilos, I think he'll be really good. When he left here, he looked like he was a future origin front rower, to be honest with you. He's gone to Canberra and sticky as he does, puts on weight on these big on the, the forwards, yeah. makes him heavier. It drains him of energy during the game, and it's and it you, know, you don't get the output out of him because of that. So I think coming back, that's, that's a bit of weight. Him, I think, yeah, yeah he, he did it to us. He did it to Timmy. He put too much weight on Tim Manor. Yeah, in the season he was here. The KGs and lost the effect. Yeah. So when he went, when he went the year after, Timmy dropped some of that weight, and he, and he, his, his numbers came back up again to where they were. So I think, but you know, forget Sticky. He's he's another club now. Junior's going to be a good buy, I think. I think the interchange, if it comes down to six, it's not going to be for a couple of years anyway. Maybe next year. Maybe the year after, the year after well, that. You condition him to it, I think. And I think he'll be fine. Yeah. And I, in regards to the interchange going down to six, I think the NRL has a more pressing issue in regards to trying to tidy up all the dead ball uh, time that's getting taken off the clock right now. Um, the yep. game, you know, is 80 minutes from the whistle, but the guys are only playing 70 minutes of football because penalty conversions take three minutes. Uh, every time there's a scrum, you know, the shot clock is policed very loosely. Uh, so there's plenty of areas to to tidy up and make the games play 80 minutes of actual football and thus, you know, tax plays aerobically more before you get the six interchanges. So I'd like to see yeah. them go down that avenue before you start making the interchanges go down to six. As yeah, far Matt, as Junior's Matt. concerned, um, love the signing. I think it, you know, adds a lot to the pack on multiple levels, as I mentioned before. He can run, he can offload, he can pass. Got a bit of an engine in him. So Brad's got a bit of um, you know, clay to mould there and, and turn him into whatever prop he needs based on what the rule set of a given season is. Uh, I don't think he's the bull, going to be the you know, the the only bull you need to add to this pack. I think you need to get one more big man to go with him. And you know, the the market sort of has a few options at the moment. Uh, Marty Tapau, maybe David Klemmer. Um, I think Nelson Sofa Solomon is probably a pipe dream, so you know, you put that out there. But you get Paulo plus one premium prop and Parramatta are really looking like they've got a great pack next year. Now, what do you reckon happens with Varve? Because essentially Varve and Junior have the same body shape. It's just Junior, well, from what you guys are saying, has a better motor. Like Yes, you know. uh, I think that's the case. Varve's got a very similar ceiling to Junior, but Junior's floor is so much higher than Varve, which he's shown now at two different clubs. He was the Canberra Raiders uh, player of the year in 2017. And... You know he's shown at Parramatta that he's got you know a much better base of play than Vavo, who unfortunately hasn't panned out as fans and the staff would have hoped in his year and a half here at Parramatta. In saying that, Vavo now has six, six. What am I saying? Half the season. I was going to say six months. That's not right. He's got half the season to save his career at Parramatta if he wants to earn a second contract of Brad Arthur in the Eels. So he he gets the uh, we'll get to it later. But he gets this, um, the call up to the starting team this week. He played two weeks ago, played okay. Unfortunately, he's carrying a lot of kilos. You know, we, we criticize Junior for that. Same thing should be said of Vave. He's not in peak playing condition. So if he can show us enough, all of a sudden you've got a, you know, a potentially a third option because I'd still want to go out and sign a, a good second prop. But you know, having two quality starting big men and then having Vave as you know, your, your flex impact option off the bench or you know, hanging around first grade in general is really good. So it's on Vave now much like it is for a few guys in the team that have to prove themselves. Uh, what have we got now? Find one last piece of news, bit of a sour note. Unfortunately, we touched on it earlier when we are breaking down the NRL game, but Bo Scott is confirmed to have um, ruptured his ACL. 
And unfortunately for the season warrior, uh, that means his season is over and potentially his career. Uh, any words, boys? Yeah, it's a, it's a shame because um, uh, Bo Scott's been a tough competitor all his career and, you know, uh, this isn't the way he would have wanted to go out, but um, was he 30, 35 next year or something? That sounds about right. He's 34, 35, I think, yeah. at some point. So, um, Next window. you know, going out on an ACL for such a tough competitor uh, won't do him justice, but I think it is time to hang up the boots for Bo. He was um, slowing down a little bit this year, um, wasn't as effective in defence. Uh, I thought his wrestle was just a little bit weak compared to what um, we've had from him in the previous seasons. And I, I thought um, when we first bought him, I wasn't a big fan of the signing to be perfectly honest um thought he's a bit old but he come he gave uh, a sh- hard edge to our defense that's um missing a bit this year uh, he worked hard in the wrestling room with some of the young guys um so hopefully his impact um is shown in the in the coming few years with uh, young ones like Murata, ray stone um coming through and bringing that hard um good wrestling technique into first grade Mm-hmm. PM, Bertie, anything to say, boys? Yeah, it's a shame for him to finish the way he's finished. That's all. I, I think um, if he if he doesn't get another contract somewhere, it's a shame to finish that way. He's been a great stalwart for New South Wales and, and played a bit for Australia as well. Um, probably we haven't seen the best of him at our club, been the back end of his career, but he definitely, as you said, he's helping with the younger guys coming through. Um, he, but he's he had a pretty good career, did, to be honest. He did have a cracking 2016 for us where he really filled that enforcer role with you know, vim and vigor, um, you know, and one of the, the few hard men in an era where the game, you know, people say the game's gone soft as much as it is about player welfare, understandably, but, you know, he played the game with a real edge. Um, you know, it was one of those guys that you didn't want to come up against because he would lay your ass out or lay, you know, lay your playmaker out, he'd lay your prop out, he didn't give a shit who it was. And uh, it's one of those timeless images of him grabbing Sam Fido. I think, is it Sam Fido, was it, from Origin? And he just got him by the collar and he's just staring into his soul. So, mm. I'll miss Bo. Yeah. I know his form was trending down, uh, but he did some good things for this club. Bertie, do you have anything to say, mate? I, f- I thought um, signing him would be good because finally we have someone who can, you know, talk to the referees, you know, intimidate them a bit. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate he's on his yeah. knee, but yeah. I think irrespective of his injury to his knee, I reckon he would have been not re-signed because I- I'm expecting a lot of changes in the forwards this year. It's... You know, it's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme of the podcast, I think, in a few weeks. I think Brent Reeb was the one that touched on it in a tweet yesterday, saying that he thinks that there's a pretty big churn coming to the Parramatta Eels roster. So there's going to be some interesting moves, I think. Uh, wasn't it? Yeah, as and with Edwards as... you know, being mutually released and this injury, at least it's making it easier for Brad Arthur to make the decisions without, you know. So like, that's what yes. I reckon. Uh, that, that's a good point, Bertie. And there, there are going to be some tough decisions to come regardless of those two roster spots created by Bo Scott's injury and Kenny's release. But uh, it does sort of soften the blow as far as letting some young guys have a crack in those two spots. And we've talked about Ray Stone. We've talked about Jamin Salmon. Reed Marnie's probably a guy that's um, going to be thrown into the ring if our hooker stock's tested. Beyond that, it starts getting a little bit uh, scratchy as far as promoting some young kids. Oregon Kafusi's playing in his third or fourth Intrust Super Premiership game this weekend, and he's doing good things as a 19-year-old prop, but there's probably too much to expect of him to step up from there. 
so the options do run a little, just it, it's unfortunately the bridge year between uh, our youngsters being you know ready for first grade and and semi ready for first grade and we're stuck in it so you've got a couple of guys that can do some jobs but you're also not flush of the talent you want ready right now now as far as Bo Scott's future is concerned what do you guys reckon is more likely a fishing uh, a fishing show gig or becoming a forwards coach in the NRL uh, for now fishing show gig later on maybe a forwards coach maybe a, a strength and conditioning coach um, all depends what he wants to do really um, I think now with coaching and all that sort of stuff, you have to go through courses and whatnot, and oh yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of hoops to jump through for that sort of stuff. Yeah, you don't, um, yep. you don't get to throw on a hat and smoke a cigarette and just call yourself a, a coach. <laughs> and for Bo, this is off an opportunity to spend a little bit more time with his youngster, who's um, got that rather unfortunate condition with their leg. Yes, uh, it's been it's been one of the you know constant backstories of Bo's move to Parramatta to get access to better medical facilities for his young and who unfortunately, if I recall correctly, they have to break his leg every year in order to facilitate the correct growth of the bone. And um, there was a picture oh, from the preseason. Man, yeah, it, it's a really brutal process. Mm. There's a picture from the wow. preseason this year where I recall his young old fishing and his young boy had uh, these big screws and a frame outside of his leg as they, you know, obviously try and encourage the bone to grow correctly. So I imagine he's not going to be too miffed at spending a little bit more time with the youngster there. So... Thanks for the service, at least, though. At least, um, hopefully you have a you know a good post-career, mate. At least rugby league yeah, put him in a position where he can afford to get the yes, right medical and, treatment I mean, for his kids. So that's, that's one positive well, to come out of his career, yeah, too. Absolutely, so. PM. And it's one of the reasons we love love our game is because there's so many battler stories like that. And, you know, these guys that get the opportunity to earn some good coin, and they put themselves at risk. And you, obviously, Bo's a prime example of it after blowing out his knee. But, you know, it puts these guys in a situation where they can earn some really good coin and do the right thing by themselves and their family. So um, full credit to everyone that plays league in that regard. So that will do yep. us for the news, unless I'm mistaken. There's some Teamless stuff that we'll get to very soon that could be here. Um, some big news come out of Teamless Tuesday, but we'll cover that in our NRL preview. So moving on to the preview section for round 12. We'll start. I did have it. I'm just blind. I did have it on the sheet. The Women's Premiership round 9. Wenty coming ninth, which is unfortunately last in that competition, will host the Rabbitohs, who are coming first on Sunday, May 27, 2 o'clock at Norford Park. I've got no idea where Norford Park is. Um, so if you're getting out there, you're going to have to hit up old Google Maps. I can't help you. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. So Wenty played uh, CRL, the Country Rugby League team, before the bye, and got hammered by 76 points or 72 points to nil. Uh, Country Rugby League were running second or third last. So now they, they face the big dogs. And uh, if they get, I mean, this is like quintessential David versus Goliath, but you're not giving David uh, much of a chance, I don't think. Any thoughts, nah. boys? Nah, it's just, um, yeah, um, what was it, 108 to nil against Cronulla carrying by there, early there was, in the year? There was a, a triple triple digit score this year, that's right. Yeah, this, unless the Rabbitohs take it easy, I think this one might be even more. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we, we keep saying it, but week by week, the girls got to work on it and improve and you know, take the long road to success. So good luck to them. Uh, Sydney Shield now, round eight for that competition. We have workers in ninth place hosting our boys, Wenty, who are currently first in that competition. That's actually, every, all these games are on Sunday, May 27th, so I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> you can just take every game except the actual NRL fixtures on Sunday, May 27th. 
So this is at one o'clock at HE Labor Field. I've been to this place. Um, yep. It took me a while to find it though. So Blacktown workers uh, for the uninitiated. Right. Uh, Blacktown workers. So it's a bit of a drive if you're in the west, in the inner west, like me. But it's not a bad facility. Uh, so Wednesday obviously be the heavy favourites there hosting the ninth place uh, not hosting but going to the ninth place workers um, there'll probably be a few familiar faces in that team list for um, Parramatta fans on both sides as Blacktown tends to use a lot of Parramatta talent uh, the other game of interest in that grade is East Campbelltown who are in second place hosting the fifth place Guildford Owls as I mentioned earlier in the podcast in the Sydney Shield the Guildford Owls are a secondary feeder club for the Parramatta Eels uh, taking on the surplus Jersey flag or NYC as it used to be talent. Um, there was an int- is it Sydney Shield that he's playing in Tavita Massima? Hamish? Yeah, that's correct. Um, playing in the halves is uh, half from our SG Ball season, half fullback sort of thing. Um, only turning seventeen this year, so yeah, he's a he's a junior member of the SG Ball squad. So a big step up um, for him. Yeah, first year out of um, Harold Matts, so that is a pretty considerable step up. Um, he's named in the halves, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but it'll be interesting to see where he's played if he can get... I know that with the New South Wales Rugby website, they usually put the position that they play uh, the game in, but it's sometimes hard to tell. So um, we'll, we'll follow that, um, the score from that game and see if he has any input there. Uh, moving up to the Ron Massey Cup, it's also round eight in that competition. Uh, we've got a top eight clash now as workers in eighth place host Wenty. Uh, this is a double header at HE Labor Field, a.k.a. Blacktown Workers. Uh, so Wenty will be looking to consolidate their place in the top four there. And Guildford's not of interest in this grade because they don't have any Parramatta talents. Oh, um, sorry, go, going back to Sydney Shield. Uh, there was, a, a, in the Wenty team, there's also um, young SG Ball prop Dallas King. Um, didn't get any game time in the SG Ball this year, but he's playing for Wenty in the Sydney Shield. Sorry, completely forgot about that and, one. And this is worth mentioning, before anyone mocks playing time in the Sydney Shield is some sort of useless thing. Uh, there is a current Parramatta first grader that played in Sydney Shield for Guildford and took him to a grand final berth where they unfortunately lost, and that is Bevan French. He played 5'8 for Guildford in that grade, so um, there's there's plenty of merit putting these younger guys into this grade. Uh, it's not you know a, a huge uh, comparison to uh, intra-super premiership is what I'm trying to get to, but you are playing full-grown men. You know, it it's played at a higher intensity to flag at times. And, you know, it's about the collisions, about the impact, and about getting used to, you know, hitting and running at the big bodies. Uh, Jersey flag now. Uh, we've got round 12 in this competition. The Eels are in sixth place, and they will host the North Sydney Bears. But if you're around the Bears this week um, in regards to their future, they're going to be splitting, uh, allegedly splitting ways with South Sydney and joining the Roosters. So that's a pretty interesting subplot to this. Obviously, they're trying to get a place back in the NRL as well. So, lots of um, lots of drama, lots of interest for the North Sydney Bears in recent times. But the Eels will host the Bears uh, at Ringrose Park, one o'clock. If you want to get out there, unfortunately, I can't. I've got to be the sponsor for my niece for her confirmation. So, hooray! I know that Ham's planning to get out there, so we're going to get a good detailed report on that next week. Um, for the Eels, big inclusion for me and for Ham, I imagine, is that Steve Dresler has finally been named to play in the 17. It's been a long road back for Dresler, one of our form props in the SG Ball a couple of years ago. Blew out his knee in round two of 2017 and has not seen the field since. So he's been named in the 17 jersey. Uh, any other interesting things in that team list, Hamish? I've I got my, my blog open now. Um, Vayatapa 
Uh, I know he's only he's named in the reserves number 18, but good to see him. Um, um, Valens Harris, number SG 22 on the extended prop. bench. Uh, Celestia yes, Fyinga starting. Bench last week into the starting role. Uh, now, what was the exact... What's the exact rate? Oh, no, Nick dropped back to the... Um, Nick Auckland-Adikov drops back from the starting back row to the reserve bench. And James Porter, who I presume is injured, bench. Uh, yeah. is out of the team entirely because he's been one of a revelation... Not revelations, but pleasant surprises this year. A big, rangy forward. Uh, he's got a bit of um, space to add some kgs to his frame, but I know that the guys involved with the, uh, the flag team are very happy with what he's done this year for a maiden uh, flag player. I'm not sure what his age is because we don't get quality stats, but I says this. But it's his first year in flag or the equivalent, you know, NYC Holden Cup, whatever you want to call it, uh, and he's done a, a decent job there. Um, trying to think. Yeah, um, looking at the bench, you know, you've got uh, Stefano Toikamanu, PJ Vangalu, and Steve Dresler. Mm. Um, huge bench, absolutely massive bench. It'll be uh, interesting to see, you know, the way we should be playing this game right up the middle. I'm not sure what how the Bears are like, but you know, with the likes of Kepi, Tupo, Cronin starting, and then you've got Utoy Kamanu, Vangali, Dresler off the bench. Uh, a lot of strike power up the middle. Um, it's a shame that yeah, Reed Marnie that, that's a big, um, big is playing so well in ISP. Aiden Carling obviously fill in with Fayetapa there to provide a bit of depth, but uh, Reed is a class above this grade and would be a huge boon to have him. But for the sake of his own personal development and for the NRL team, it's better if he's playing against the men in ISP. Uh, for the for the flag team now, they're slowly getting back to full strength. Uh, John Fanula made his return last week and scored a double. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Steve Dres was back. Uh, the big name now that's missing for mine is uh, Filio Toikamano, the elder brother of Stefano. Unfortunately, he broke his neck in some capacity in the under-18s origin game last year. So it's been a very careful and slow path back to playing for him and his probably weight. I think the process now is he needs to get independent clearance from, I think it's three doctors or two doctors. I think there's there's some sort of protocol there for these injuries. He needs to be cleared by not just the club doctor or the NRL doctor, but independent doctors. Um, we mentioned that Joe Tapari is unfortunately out for the season in previous podcasts, but they're getting back to full strength and they're keeping in touch with the top four, which is what they need to do. Excuse me. Dinner's repeating on me there. Uh, so they're, they're doing the right things. It's a young... Come on, boys. Come on, boys. It's a young It's a young team. Uh, so like last year, they can catch fire at the drop of a pin, but it's all about finding consistency for them. And last week was a great effort. You know, that eight, a negative eight differential in the penalty count is insane for the, a team of that youth to overcome. Really good signs. And that's what they did last year, isn't that right, Hamish? They... There were games where they didn't have right to win because of possession, because of penalties, and just because of the flow of the game. But they they consistently found ways to get on top on the scoreboard. Yeah, it was just um, the talent in the team. You know, you've got when you got someone like Dil- Dylan Brown only played the latter half of the year and only played a few games then. But when you've got you know you had Greg Galusi, we are Ray Stone, uh, Dana right. Cloud played well the during the year. But he, um, um, was good during the year. So yeah, very young yeah. team, lots of talent. Uh, like I said in my match review of round 11, I was told that Jesse Cronin, Dylan Brown, Stefano Toikamano were among the best players last week. That's encouraging for the team because that's, you know, two of the really young players there in Toikamano and, and Brown. Uh, whereas Jesse Cronin's one of those guys that I'd say is probably a heart and soul player. He's the sort of player that the players will rally around when the things get tough. 
So you've got three important players playing well there. And Todd Sapienza, who's stepping into the big boots of Taipari, doing some good stuff. So really nice things. Hopefully they can get the chockies over the Bears, and Ham will give us the report next week. Uh, now, Will will do. You better. Will do. Uh, <laughs> no excuses. No excuses this week. I'll try. Ooh, everyone's back throwing to, down the alternator now. Back to back. At, I'll be getting out there and getting back some at Rick Rose. Uh, chips yes, and gravy. This is our NRL game to correspond with it. You've got no excuses. <laughs> I'm blowing up that I can't get out this Sunday. I'm absolutely spewing, but I've got to do the right thing by my niece, who incidentally doesn't want a rosary or any sort of um, traditional gift. She wants some money for <laughs> confirmation. <gift. laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say to her credit, she is an absolute spendthrift. She has banked all her savings so far. She's a young girl, but she's doing a good job there. Uh, moving on to the second highest grade now as far as interest is concerned, the Intrust Super Premiership. When's he looking to rebound off that unfortunate loss to the top-seeded Mounties? They're in seventh place coming into this round. They will host the Bears, who are in tenth place, so they're pretty close together on the ladder. Uh, that'll be the feature game at Ring Rose at 3 o'clock. Uh, for Wenty, it's as we've come to be, expect with um, Team List Tuesdays, it's somewhat of a lackluster Team List because everyone that is involved in the NRL Team List on the uh, shadow bench from 18 to 21 aren't named in Wenty. So that it means the likes of uh, Ray Stone, Jamin Salmon, Kane Evans, who is returning from a calf injury, and Josh Hoffman are not named on Team List Tuesday. Uh, for the rest of the Wenty Team List, uh, is there anything of interest? I can't remember when I was doing my report on this one. Not really. Um, Reed Barney's there. Oregon Reed Barney. is there, which we've come to expect in the recent weeks. And, uh, well, obviously, your first graders named of our uh, Okafalea, yeah, Davis. Yeah, the top 30 guys that are sort of fixtures um, Marnie. there. Um, so we've, we've come yeah. to expect Dane. I mean, Dane's a development player, but we've come to expect Kurosomi to be named in that grade. Uh, Davis is obviously there. Is he's on the wing this week? Was he named on the wing last week? I can't remember. Yeah, he's played on the wing yeah. um, a couple of times or for the past so month or so. They'll come up against the tenth place bear. Tenth place bears is it right? Ninth place bears. No tenth place. Then bears are ninth in flag and tenth in in trusted premiership. Just to confuse things. So this will be a, a pretty tight contest. Wendy's played really well in the last I want to say four or five weeks. They dropped the game to the Dogs by one point. The Dogs were in third place at the time, and I think they're still thereabouts. And they obviously lost by 10 points to the first-place Mounties. So this is the sort of game that Wenty needs to win in order to keep touch with the top four. Uh, wherever they do that, it's going to be tough, you know, just given looking at that roster. They've sort of punched above their weight, even with the addition of those NRL guys in recent weeks. All you want, really, you know, a win's nice, but you want to see Jamin Salmon, Reed Money um, pushing on and furthering their, you know, case to be caught up to first grade when when or if, hopefully, hopefully if not when, the NRL season sort of um, grinds to a halt as far as the, the postseason prospects are concerned. Uh, Oregon Kafusi plugging straight off the bench. Uh, he had, what, 70 metres off seven runs and 20-something tackles last week. Is that right, Ham? Uh, yeah, I think about that in about 50 or so minutes. So good work, work rate. Of those, of those 70 metres, I think a good 30-plus were post-contact. So... He's pumping those legs and, and doing the right stuff for, uh, you know, he's turning 19 this year as a prop. So that's um, pretty good stuff. Uh, so once again, Ham's going to be on handy, or hopefully, knock on wood, going to be on handy to give us a detailed report of that game in the Round 12 review next Tuesday. Well, we record next Tuesday. God knows when it gets out. So we'll, we'll try and get out as fast as possible, guys. We'll expedite the release. That brings us to our feature event, if you can call it that in this season. 
but it is round 12 in the NRL. <laughs> it is Thursday night football, primetime football, national coverage. The Eels will go up to Brisbane to face the Broncos, who are in ninth place. Obviously, the Eels anchored to the bottom at 16. This is our big preview uh, event, so I probably should do something, like name the, the team list. Uh, there's some big changes for the <laughs> there's some big changes for the Eels this week. Uh, this one will be pretty contentious. I can't say I'm a fan. Uh, Corey Norman has moved to fullback this week. You got Bevan French in the two and George Jennings in the fives, locking down the flanks. Michael Jennings and Brad Takarangi in the centres. So the fu- the fullback, the fullback position is the only change in the back line. That's not too surprising, even given the mistakes made by George Jennings and Bevan's um, relative uninvolvement in the game last week. You have Quint Gufferson with the C in the number six. So this is a throwback to the start of 2016, 2017, 2017. God, my season's all mixed up. He played he played in the halves in 2016 at the back end, which is why I'm getting mixed up. But he's played in the halves for two years now. So Guffo will go back into the six, the partner with Mitchell Moses. There is a change in the starting front row with Daniel Alvaro and Cameron King retaining their positions there. But CSI Avave gets the call up from Wente from last week. He comes directly into the starting team with the hole created by the injury to Bo Scott. Uh, Manu Ma'u, at this stage, will play left edge, I presume, with Tepai on the right and Penny at lock. In recent weeks, we talked about it. Manu's played some great footy at lock, but the way the front row is constructed at the moment means that uh, Penny will presumably play as the third prop in the lock role. So unless there's a game day change, which uh, sees Vave drop to the bench with Penny going to the front row and Manu go to lock, with, I assume, Murata play on the edge for an extended period of time. We will see um, Manu in a more traditional left-edge role. On the bench, you have Will Smith, Saul Matangi, David Gower, and Murata Niakore, who retains his spot after making his debut in round 11. Uh, for the Broncos, I mentioned sorry, I mentioned the, the extended bench before, but Raymond Stone, 18, Jamin Salmon, 19, Kane Evans makes his return from a calf injury in the 20, and Josh Hoffman round out the 21-man squad. Uh, whether you read anything into this or not, uh, Ray Stone and Jamin Salmon have technically moved up the depth charts because they now have the 18 and 19 on their back. So I don't know if the club has any sort of priority when it comes to naming the 18 and the 21 for first grade preference. But if you look at it that way, they have moved up a little bit. For the Broncos, uh, interesting lineup. So they'd have to, you, you they? agree that that would be moving the depth charts? Yeah, that's possibly true. And they'd have to move up with Bo. Move it on and yeah. So sorry yeah. in that regard, yes. But I'm saying if you believe or read anything to be named in the 18 and 19 over the 20 and 21, I don't know because in the past we've used guys in the 20 and 21 jerseys over guys in the 18 and 19. Mm. So I'm not sure if there is any significance to be had from that. But they but I'm are pretty the, sure. technically the next cabs off the rank when it comes to the uh, game day roster with the 18 and 19 on their back. I'm, I'm pretty Broncos, sure we won't start one to 17. They looking at that side. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, but there is definitely some um, uh, potential for game day shenanigans. For the Broncos, uh, Darius Boyd will be the captain from fullback. You have Corey Oates and Jermaine Asako, fresh off that cracking match-winning try on the wings. James Roberts and Jordan Carr, who are in the centres. Milford and Cody Nicarima in the halves. Lodge, Friday and Andrew McCulloch will make the front row for the Broncos. Tavita Pangai Jr. is playing in an edge. Is that... Is that recent, or has he been doing that for a while? Because I saw him in the lock role before, so I'm not sure if that's something new for him. Uh, Jaden Su'a is on the other edge, with Joe Ofengahi locking the front row for the... I was about to say the dogs for the Broncos. Uh, interchange bench is made up of Sam Tagatizi, young George Fye, 
the uh, rookie from last week, Tony Staggs and Patrick Mago, with their shadow bench being made up of Tom Opechik. Ex-Parramatta Eel Troy Dargan is finally um, cleared of injury, it looks like, in the number 19. Josh Maguire, surprisingly, is in the, the number 20, so I assume he's been dropped. And young David Fafita. This one got ham in my a little bit before. David Fafita looks like he's going to completely bypass playing 20s or reserve grade at this stage. He's been named in the 21. So for those that don't know, David Fafita is a much like Payne Haas, a young star, uh, played in the equivalent of the SG ball this year. And as far as I know, to this date, has not played a minute of under 20s or reserve grade. So No, unless he played last week. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about it's that. It's a bold bold call to make that jump, especially after what happened to Payne Haas, but we'll get into that when we um, talk about the game in general. Okay, for the Eels boys, uh, what do you think of this big... Sw- it's going to be the talking point across the media. I know that um, Adrian Proshenko has already tweeted about it, and I imagine that um, NR360 talked about it. I didn't watch it this, um, this evening. But Corey Norman in the fullback role, which he is on record as saying he does not like playing, and Quint Gufferson moving in from the one to the six. Yeah, so if we look at it at face value and assume that the the team is going to go one to seventeen, um, I'm not sure what it changes really, because Norman will still be our, our, our general play kicker on the left hand side of the ruck because Gutherson's not going to take those kicks. Um, maybe better passing to our wingers. I know that Gutherson's bombed a couple. Um, in recent times with just that final pass, whether to be Bev or uh, George Jennings. Um, so it could be, you know, that, that final pass. It could be, um, yeah, outside of that, uh, it's interesting. And ma- maybe it's for Moses to s- say to Moses, um, you've got to step up and own this team now. It's your team. You're basically the only half. Um in, in the halves um, and I suppose the last time we put a half back to full back was Chris Sando so it could be a thing to Corey Norman up the sleeve that one week yeah it worked that one week and then yeah, he got was it. <laughs> I yeah. think um, Sandow has some pretty defined weaknesses to his game that Corey for whatever criticism you want to throw at him and there's some legitimate ones to be had these days uh, he doesn't have those same issues in his game I don't think um, I wrote about this in my blog today that you know if you look at it from one perspective you had, like you said, Ham, Garfo struggled to finish off some, you know, stuff that you otherwise would be doing. And Norman has uh, looked a little bit listless at the playmaker position on the left edge. So if you sort of swap those roles around and give Garfo more opportunities to handle the ball and get into a rhythm, and on the flip side, uh, streamline the game for Corey so he has to, you know, hit the center or the winger, it might work in that regards, but I'm not a huge fan of this move. PM, you got anything to say on throwing your 5.8 to fullback and your fullback to 5.8? Yeah, confusing. I'm confused by it all, but maybe <laughs> it'll maybe it'll bring a biblical performance from Mitchell Moses this week. It could well, happen. Yeah, it, he could come out there and part the defence. And you, you, you mentioned it there um, offhandedly. It does look like this is an indirect message to Mitchell Moses to say, make this your team. You know, we're going to put Gufferson in the halves. He's not a dominant playmaker. He's an off-playmaking option. He likes running the ball, which works well for dominant playmaker. Um, go out there and make this your team. Uh, you reckon that's fair to say, PM, Bertie? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and this is the team you want to probably, you're going to get opportunities against the Broncos. Their defense, defense. is that they've let in four more points so far this season than us. And if you have a look at the missed tackles for them as a team over the last three or four matches, they're averaging 
around about 40 to 45 missed tackles per game, where we're probably in the high 20s, early 30s. So we're having trouble scoring points, but the Broncos are letting points in. So this might be a game where if we can get our attack right, we can actually get some points on the board against this team. It just depends on how well we can defend them, to be honest with you, because I think blokes like um, Roberts out there out wide, and you've got Asaka, how well he's playing on the wing and that, if, and, and even Corey Oates went on the kick returns. If we don't defend them well, they will run ragged over us. But this is an opportunity for us to get our attack right and score some points against the defence from the Broncos. I think that's probably... I won't say it's the worst in the Broncos' history, but it's probably not far off it, I think, as far as defence goes. They're, they're a bit disjointed in their forward pack. I mean, Sam Thiday's got himself back in the starting lineup, and, and I think he's not in form at the moment. And we, we've got a chance here to try and get things together. I don't know if we can this week, but mate, we're changing the halves and I mean, the, the fullback. But if we can, it's, it's, a, it's a big regards, chance for us. It's still a die in that regards. You've got a buffer of two games now. You can afford two more losses before you're talking about mathematicals to make the finals. Um, Suncorp's been a pretty good hunting ground for us in recent years, if I'm not mistaken. So there should hopefully be a pretty um, parochial Parramatta element to the crowd, even with our struggles. Yeah. So maybe that helps get us over the line. I think well, if Corey points there. You go, you go, Pam? Yeah, if, if Corey plays a bit like Jared Hayne used to, where he chimes in around the back, in the back line, and creates an extra extra playmaker out wide, that's the sort of play I think that you, you can suck in the Brisbane defence and create the extra man. Which is different to how Guffo plays. Guffo yes, doesn't yeah, seem to be the extra ball player. He's a really good support player, Guffo, but he doesn't add that extra ball playing element that I think Corey can. Bertie, you got anything to add to that? Uh, talk about uh, 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 fullback. Pretty much whatever you said is all said. Like <laughs> I agree with that. That's not a contribution, guys. Bertie. <laughs> like I guess this is probably the first time Moses has he's going to be playing, and he's going to be the sole chief playmaker in the team because. When you look at it, the Tigers, he had Robbie Farry, he had Luke Brooks, and then they moved him to fullback a bit as well, Moses. And then when he comes here, he had Norman. And now this is pretty much a sign saying, you know, this is there's no excuses. You've got to sort everything out, and you've got to call the shots. So this is pretty much his first shot at it because, you know, he's had all those p- players in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's and a, that's as for Norman, point. I think he's the best one that can adapt to go from 5'8". To fullback, you know, Sandow was just a myth, you know, it was like a gimmick, you know, to get the crowds in. But um, it was just a, uh, this is, he's, he's suited, like, I reckon he's suited to it. He's a, he's a running 5'8, but whether or not he likes it, he has to do it for the team. He, he is on record as, as saying he does not like playing fullback, he prefers playing the halves, but in yeah. the past, he has uh, been willing to play fullback for the sake of the team. Now, whether you believe this is for the sake of the team or as a sort of alternate him to Corey to get his form right I don't know that's one of the subtexts of this game that'll be interesting to see and on that note oh, can I just if uh, there are... just one last thing yeah go ahead um, Birdie pointed out before that um, you know Moses has got a, uh, um, has had all those plays before and it just reminded me that Moses and Gutherson have played in the halves together um, last year when Mitch first came to the club and they, I think they're two from three um, I'll take winning percentage, baby. So that is that is a meatloaf stat. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> boom boom. They lost. They lost the first game against Canberra, and then one against South Sydney and the Warriors. So can we can we take a second to appreciate that it took me for an hour and seven minutes to make a, my first pun for this podcast? Like, <laughs> that's a that's a lot I of think, restraint, guys. Please. I think I actually beat you tonight with the Bible. Moses is going to have yeah, a yeah, good you do, game. Yeah, yeah, you definitely you definitely beat me to it. Yeah. Um, so, Wait, oh, what, what happened to Norman? Was he suspended or was he out? 
no one was together. injured during that time, I believe. Injured, yeah. Injured. He, he had a hamstring yeah, problem had, last year. Didn't try, that's right. Tro- yeah. Troublesome hamstring during that period. Yep. And no, it was hamstring first, and then um, Wuri Hargraves cleaned up his uh, MCL. That's right. Against the Roosters. Oh, uh, yeah. Hammered. Yep. Took, it was a third man in on, on the knees, which was unfortunate. Now, what I was getting to before Hamish so rudely interrupted me with that good line of thought, <laughs> with that good line of thought, <laughs> is that if there are ducks and drakes at play, and this is a, a big smoke screen, it's a ruse. What are we looking at on game day, guys? What, what's in what's in action? What can you do with that twenty-one to make it interesting? Has to be Gutherson fullback, James Salmon starting half. Yeah. Yep. I'd yep, agree. I agree. Yeah. Either that, or you put that, Gutherson that is most into. Logical. Yeah. The we'll, only we'll, other option is, I can see is you outright drop Corey Norman and bring Josh Hoffman into the back line, whether it's at fullback or at wing. But uh, he, he, I imagine there'd be a lot a, of downs um, clamouring for the first option. Here's a left field one for you. Tacker, Tacker to the back row. Guffo in the centres. Sa- <laughs> salmon, salmon to 5-8. And that changes things around a bit, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, now... I, it's it's hard to get a read in this week. This is interesting because I don't know if this is the alternate in the Corey uh, or if this is Brad Alpha. And we have to clarify that Brad is working with limited resources at the moment. Our injury toll was ridiculous at the, um, as of round 12. I think what we've got, uh, Salmon and Stone are development players that are being given dispensation to be named in the 21, which means we have 19... No, Evara's down there too, So and Davis. We have 21 top 30 players fit but of those 21 Davis you know you don't want to see in first grade and Avar has his limitations positionally so Brad's options are pretty limited beyond you know getting dispensation to play other players which he can do but it looks like he's going to give those um, top players you know one last chance you know um, exhaust all permutations as I said in my team was Tuesday blog before he looks to um, outside those players for answers so Jamin Salmon's the the first cab off the rank when it comes to that though. So uh, if he travels to Brisbane, it'll be interesting. That's when we're going to have a better clue as if there's a potential shakeup. It just it it doesn't make sense to me to um, let out that uh, Corey Norman is going to play fullback and Gutherson's going to play halves. I know there's only uh, one day left of training. And that's a captain's run, and you can't really work on um, how to target a player or whatever. But it still gives them a day to work on it. Whereas, if you did it, we didn't even have to name it. Like we've got until up until game day to figure out our seventeen. You can take up your nineteen, whoever's that going to be. And I'm I'm assuming um, in the nineteen will be Salmon and Stone or someone. And then because they can always fly back down for the Sunday game, uh, it doesn't really that's matter. That's right. There is a flexibility. Um, yeah don't understand why we would give them just that extra day when could have kept it quiet could have only announced it an hour before um, um unless you're game planning to have them game plan for the wrong game plan if you want to get real meta about it that's what? that's what did you this, say <laughs> i'm uh, lost hamish is, <laughs> hamish is talking I just about heard how, game plan and I off. game plan baby <laughs> uh no what what ham was getting at is that naming norman at fullback gives the broncos an extra day essentially to to strategize for it so the the counterpoint to that would be if there is indeed a smoke screen going on it would force the Broncos to game plan for the wrong configuration of um spine for the Eels so 
that that is potential on the cards. Um, like I said, I'm not expecting any sort of debut at this point in time, but seeing who goes to Brisbane is going to be very, very interesting. It's not, not just about a debut, but letting us know where everyone stands as far as first grade is concerned. If it is indeed Ray Stone or um, Jamin Salmon on that plane, it means that they're a lot closer to first grade than you know some pundits think. How good now, would it be if Salmon makes his debut and he outshines or outplays Jack Bird because realistically he is... <laughs> Our realistically, realistically, yeah. outplaying Jack Bird is no fucking mean feat. <laughs> no mean feat. But like, no, <laughs> no mean feat. Given how um Jack's going on the um, McDonald's diet, but just, it would just, be nice. It would be yeah. nice. Um, just running around him pretty hard. <laughs> it's pretty tough to. It's pretty tough to run around him at the moment. He's so wide. It's good at defence. <laughs> um, now, there's a couple other points I want to get to in this game. Uh, Cameron King, where's he at, boys? What are we going to look? What are we expecting from this week as far as minutes go? As far as contributions, uh, for contribution, um, I'm expecting four runs from dummy half that lead to nothing on our on the, on the try line. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had two know, runs last week. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, two I reckon we will get a few more chances this week. Um, you said he kicked out on the full against the Warriors. I'm expecting mm. another one. I got, I, got, I got a plan here. I got a plan here. This, this, this is what we do. You tell Corey Norman and Cameron King to swap their kicking duties. Cam King can find the touch finders from penalties and Corey yes. can do the general play kicking, and it works out beautifully. Perfect. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Oh, that, there's my there's my predictions done then. So he, the, so he somebody will finally kick to the corners. I haven't done it all year. Yes. We, we we kind of did it against the Warriors, and it was one of the things that pleased me of how Mitchell Moses approached that game is that uh, in the second half he worked the short side and had a really nice kick that found touch about 10 metres out with not much space to work with. So bit by bit, they're sort of... Week by week, it's like they do one thing right, but then the thing that they've been doing previously right, wrong. So they just got to try and pull it all together into one, even if it's ugly, just one big ball of... Um, of well, a, look, know, if, it clicks, if it clicks one week, the confidence all of a sudden is up, and then who knows, we could go on a run. I mean, we still oh, have got the talent the team we, to do this, it. This team, this team has gone on runs... You know, we everyone remembers the golden run of two thousand nine, but in twenty sixteen they won well over more like well over what they lost in the back end of the season when everything was falling in the shit. And obviously in twenty seventeen they had one of the biggest runs of form going into the finals. So they've got the potential to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, pulling it together. Now the other the other players worth having a chat about. Back row, what's happening? Manu playing left edge, Manu playing lock. We're we gonna see Vave drop back to the bench and provide some um interchange impact. No, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, if all goes to plan, um, Manu, Tep start on the edges um, after about, oh, give him 40 minutes, no, oh, no, 50 minutes for Manu on the edge, uh, near Corey comes in for the last 30. And of course, here was the follow-up to that, is how do you envisage Murata being used this week? Got somewhere between 15 to 12 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, in his debut, four runs for 40 metres and uh, about a dozen tackles. Do you expect uh, much to change for him? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? Yeah. I don't know Hamish said about 30 minutes. What do you got, PM? Yeah, yeah, 20, 25 to 30 minutes. It depends on injuries and that as well and how your rotation can go. And I thought last week he might have got more with um, losing Bo. Yeah, that was my hope too. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, whether it was because of the, the, the plan for interchanges in regards to other stuff, he didn't get on until later in the game. But I thought that was the, the right time to bring him in, if not even too late in that regard as well. I, th- I think the forward pack might start as named. And, uh, and Will Smith come on after about 30 minutes, thereabouts. 
add a bit of pace around the, the market area because Brisbane have been... I have watched the Brisbane's last couple of games and they do seem to be a bit slow at market and A&B defenders seem to stand a bit wider. So there is a chance to get in behind them there and that's where so Will Smith will come into his own yeah. when he comes on. Yeah, so that, that, that'd be good. That's Dave Gower, I mean, he's been sensational since he's come in the time. You know what you're going to get from here every week, whether he's playing in the black and white jersey or Winnie or a blue and gold mm-hmm. jersey of Parramatta. And fair dinkum, he, he should be the first bloke picked on the bench every week, Dave Gower. That is a very fair statement. He has been sensational this year. And yeah, just the ageless Dave Gower. I mean, he's one of those guys that always adds something to his game. You know, when he gets that much older in a certain capacity, he finds another way to compensate for it. And he's been really, really good for us. Uh, How good is he behind a microphone of... when he gets interviewed? Like the couple last yeah. couple of weeks, he's, he's been put out for the press for the press uh, conferences. He's, he's a good listener, old Dave. Oh. He's very good in the mic. And he's very good. I love talking to him every time I have the opportunity. But he's one of the most overqualified people you ever meet. I think he does a different sort of course or um, certificate every year. So he's got about you know, eight or nine different qualifications as far as TAFE and uh, tertiary education is concerned. So he's a very, very interesting bloke in that regard. And he's I'll give him a, a rap a good because path he, to whatever career he wants post. Uh, I've got to give him a rap because he, he liked one of my tweets yesterday. So I've got to give him a rap for that. Hey, I, tweet, legend, I tweeted something to him and he gave me a like. So good on you, good on you Dave. Well done, Gary. Now, for the Eels, uh, where's it going to be won? I mean, there's there's a lot of cliche and generic answers you can say against the Broncos. But uh, P, PM raised a great point about the markers in their AB um, uh, alignments. But uh, where else can it be won? Where are the Broncos ready to be exploited? Yeah, Mentally, wide. I reckon. I don't, I'm not sure if... Um, not sure if... Uh, you know, just... I guess, you know, I'm going to say that where the Broncos can, we can beat the Broncos. We just got to, if, as long as we play good footy, we're a good footy team, we can win it. Oh, it's a bit, limit the errors <laughs> that we've been making the last few weeks. We can limit the errors and get more possession than them and dummy half runs early on to drag the defence into the middle and then we can beat them out wide. If we get Jennings some early ball, a bit of footwork, I think we can make things happen and it's all about kicking to the corners. You've got to build the pressure. And I think maybe the shake-up with the halves and the spine, the way it is this week, it may just... Things might just click it. I know Corey always lifts a cog playing against the Broncos. It's his junior club. Yeah, he always seems to play old, pretty well. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think... I actually think we can win this week. Um, we can maybe? score early, I reckon, like we did yeah. um, last time we played them up there. We can't score that Scored. quick, 13 seconds. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> maybe 15 this time. Yeah, um, that's a right. reasonable 15 seconds. <laughs> but if we can score, you know, with the, like a couple times within the first 20 minutes, um, I, I'm not sure about their kicking game with Milford and Bird in the halves. They can't control um, it. They don't run they the game properly. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that's that's where we've got to win. I think we've got to, to beat the Broncos, we've, we've got to score early and we can't let them score in the first half. I reckon got we've got to That's it. I reckon we're going to target Boyd because he spends a bit of time in the defensive line. So, you know, either putting a kick in behind, get Bevan chasing, you know, get Jennings chasing, like, you know, target Boyd a bit. Yeah, and he tends to fall over a yeah. lot at Suncorp. So, you know, that could help us. You know? yeah, yeah, the surf at Suncorp yeah. can be a little bit iffy like that. He's slow to turn too, oh, Boyd. Right. With, his ha- with his hamstring problems, he seems, if he's got to turn and chase a ball, if he can get it over his head, he's yeah. very slow at turning. So as you said, get get Bevan chasing the kicks through there, and you never know what could happen. We could we could hit hit gold this week. 
All right, so hopefully the, the brains trust at the club are listening to the Para podcast this week because there's some um, <laughs> absolute gold, like you know, absolute gold here, fellas. Um, some some of the, the game's finest minds at work right here. Uh, now, on that note, we've been rambling for nearly two hours, so we probably better wrap this um, episode of the Para podcast up. Let's get to match predictions uh, with Bertie. What do you got? First try scorer. Uh, first try. Okay. Result. So my theory or whatever, I reckon Barbe goes to the bench, Terapo to Prop, Prop, Manu to lock, Neokoro starting, and he scores the first try. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, Here we go. Right. Turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> Bertie is back. Simba first try scorer. Give us yeah. the result, mate. Uh, who's going to win and by how much? Um, Oh, it's going to be a close game. I reckon it will come down to the last five minutes and we'll probably win off a penalty kick. And hey. I'll be praising and Ham will be praising as well. Hashtag penalty goal. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. 22-20. Thank you, Bertie. Uh, Ham, what do you got for me this week? First try Bert- scorer and the result. I just have to start off by saying Bertie stole my prediction. I was thinking about it then. I was going... You know what? I reckon we win by a penalty goal and it'll be in the last five minutes or so and I'll be <laughs> shouting at the TV saying, take the two, take the two, take the two. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what the penalty goal was decided to be implemented for is, as a difference maker and that sort of thing. So to be fair, that is the correct implementation of it, not the um, two or three shots you see to open up games. There are. Anyway, predictions. Vave first try scorer. I'm I'm First I'm all in on the Vave train this week. Um, man try, I want to see. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the big man can score, and uh, I'm not a big Vave fan to be honest with everyone. But I'm all in this week. All in. Um, Vave first try scorer twenty to twenty for us, eighteen for them. Oh, hey. Alrighty, PM. What do you got for me, buddy? Well, he's just stolen me thunder. That's exactly the scoreline I was going to pick. 22 AD. I'll stick with that. collusion going on. I'll stick with that because that's what I had in the back of my head. I think we'll lead the whole game. I think we'll score the first try. Um, Michael Jennings to get the first try. Uh, we'll go in at half time, 12-6 in front. And we'll get to we'll get to 22-12 and we'll just kick to the corners and make the Broncos run out of their own end and they'll get a try late to get them within four points. But... I think we can win the game this week. I think we can just pester the Broncos all night and frustrate them, and they'll try. They'll be chasing points and making errors. Nice. Now I tried doing the right thing by the team and tipping against them on the podcast last week, and it did you know sweet f all. So I'm going to back the boys to win. At this point, I think the only thing you can do on the podcast is back them to win every week. Uh, so para to win margin wise um, I'm hoping it's a relatively solid win let's go 26 to 10 that's probably a little bit optimistic but let's just say we get that 16 points of sweet sweet differential um, I'm going to give you the first two try scorers this week Quint Gufson's going to get over in um, the first try and Mitchell Moses get the second try um, I don't know if that's going to be the last try but hopefully not if I'm backing him for 26 points unless we <laughs> kick a lot of penalty, kick a lot of penalty goals and piss him off mm. uh, so um, did did um I'm gonna give me one sec. I gotta check my um, PMs for a second. Um, no, the lazy bastard didn't give me his predictions. Hamish, uh, the host Hamish, did not give us predictions to be read out for the uh, the podcast. So congratulations, mate. Obviously had his heart set in Fiji back then. Well, he's um, trying to get Sammy back. We've he's had too busy. All our predictions. Yeah, very very busy. We've had all our predictions, which means it gets to the um, the real meat of the podcast, and that's the plugs. 
Now, first up, as always, is our boy Birdie. What do you got for us this week, Birdie? Yeah, Twitter is uh, BevanHeaven1. Guys, Saturday night, the dream was dead. My dream of having a chance with Meghan Markle was over. <laughs> Just like Jessica Alba in my teen years, she got married, I moved on. Then it was Margot Robbie, and then she got married, breaking everyone's heart. And now, Meghan Markle has married a ranger. I don't know how. At least, at least we don't have to put up with the Pippa nonsense this time around. There was no oh, sister to take just, over. And the, um, now, the I'm going to put a question out to the listeners. Who is the next chick that I should have a crush on? Because <laughs> no doubt she'll get married within 12 months. Well, Birdie, okay, they'll so t- somebody, somebody will message you out. Your, this, this is your new Twitter campaign, because now that Murata's playing first grade, you've got nothing to do on, um, on Bevan Heaven. So yeah, Twitter, so. Any, any, any fans of the podcast that are alive on the old Twitter sphere, get out there and hit Birdie up with your recommendations of what his new celeb crush should be. Um, and we're going we're gonna to try and start a, a groundswell campaign to get him in contact with whoever it is. If you want, now, if you actually want, is, if you want to get married yourself and you, you're too scared to ask your girlfriend, just say that Birdie should have a crush on her because then she might come and ask you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's a surefire for another good one. Get the, um, get the missus to. To bite the bullet there. Uh, next up is our boy Ham Sandwich. What's happening yeah. this week, big fella? Um, as always on Twitter at Ham Sandwich Twenty Two. Um, no gigs personally for myself this week, so I'm going to plug a. Oh, first of all, the band. Um, I'm plugging. Uh, they opened for for us on the other night. Uh, the Fossix. Um, very good hey, funk. Paying it like, forward. Yeah, um, very good funk sort of. Uh, you know, early 90s Red Hot Chili Peppers sort of sound. Um, very cool. Very, very good to dance to. Um, uh, and yeah, that's my plug this week. Thank you. Everyone have a good week. <laughs> no worries. No worries, buddy. And now, PM, what do you got for me, mate? Oh, I've got heaps. I've got heaps. Hey. I've got the, like to hear. the radio show, The That's a Wrap, every Sunday, 5 till 7 on 2NVR FM. 105.9 in the Nambucca Valley. You can get it online at 2nvr.org and you can click on there and listen live. Great program, two hours worth of sport, all sport, cricket, rugby league, you name it. It's all We, we talk about the whole lot. It's good fun. You can also catch me on Twitter at Paramatters and you can also purchase some lovely Parramatta Eels merchandise from sportfirstnambucca.com.au. You can get on there anytime <laughs> you like and you can go into the cart and you can use a discount code para podcast and save 10% off your order all orders over $100 are free shipping the man has it down to an art I love it now this is 4020 speaking I am filling in for our um, our glorious leader Hamish who is on holidays in Fiji <laughs> uh, like I said the revolution will hopefully be downloaded and streamed that's the uh, para podcast this week you can catch me and my uh, mates at the Cumberland Fro at the Cumberlandfro.com funnily enough as that sounds uh, we're also pretty active on Twitter at EelsTCT. TCT stands for the Cumberland Fro, in case you couldn't put two and two together. <laughs> Doesn't stand for. Oh, I've seen some other. Uh, yeah, there's there's some, there's some there. colourful um some colourful um acronyms that have come together with our um, sometimes antagonistic relationship with um certain elements of the um, para fandom. We love them all, but they don't love us unfortunately. Um, but yeah, TCT, you can catch plenty of blogs. I did my team list Tuesday post today. I thought it was pretty good actually. Um, we've had um, Colmack do a stat review of the Warriors game. I had my whiskey musings. Mitch had his ever-popular post-match grades. Seriously, there's 99 comments on those things. Make it go to 100, please. Uh, <laughs> so plenty of action at, um, at our blog and our Twitter. 
and of course as i mentioned before i'm stepping in as the uh, temporary host for the para podcast uh, which is usually run by our good friend hamish um, you can catch us on um, what what um oh, this sounds stupid but what's he put us on we're on soundcloud for sure are we yep. on itunes yep, yep so we you are can catch yep. us at soundcloud on iTunes, um, I imagine there's a few other um, aggregate sources for podcasts you can get. There's probably on. a black market up there for podcasts that we're on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah we're, we're we definitely on um, Soundcast, uh, Soundcast, Soundcom, SoundCloud, and, um, and iTunes. So uh, and there goes my phone. I thought I put it on silent. This is some quality hosting right now. Um, catch us on those two platforms. Uh, perhaps on your your sort of podcast aggregator of choice. Um, we're also on Twitter at the Para Podcast. So. Hamish is usually pretty active there for that. I will put that out on Twitter. I'll put it out on those two platforms in his absence. Uh, and and yeah, that, that'll be a wrap for what is before the... We wrap up, before we wrap up, now, I didn't come up with hashtag... Oh, before we wrap up, I didn't come up with hashtag Akuna Marada. What would you think if Salmon and Stone makes their debut that we call them hashtag Stonefish? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. You're on fire, Bertie. <laughs> you know what? I've been thinking that, about that the wait, whole wait, wait, week and how wait, to wait, deliver wait, wait, the podcast, wait, wait. and I thought I'd get out there. Are you talking? And you thought right at the end would be the perfect time to do it. Yeah, well, no <laughs> one listens <laughs> to we, it. We need to talk about this. We've got a couple of minutes. Hashtag Stonefish. Is yeah, that Stonefish. if Jamin makes his debut debut by himself, or if uh, if Jamin and uh, Stoney make their debut at the same time? I didn't think about that, obviously. So I was just praying <laughs> they both play together and... We can call him the Stonefish, but uh, I'll get back to you. Maybe we can call him. Okay, if Salmon debuts, hashtag flop like a salmon. If <laughs> why, not, stone... why, not, why not Salmon Dance? Silly Salmon. The Salmon Dance, baby. The Salmon Dance, the song by uh, the Chemical Brothers. Never heard of that. Of, um, of Galvanized fan. <laughs> you're not the only one, Birdie. Uh, Sorry, you're not the only one. When we're, Hamish we're, goes we're, out, we're... we get all a bit loopy. So No, 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 no. no. We, we always get loopy at this point in time in the podcast. <laughs> this isn't uh, limited to Hamish not being here. So, like I said, guys, catch Birdie on Twitter at Bevan Heaven. You can catch Ham and his uh, and his awesome band recommendations. PM's got Sports First, then Bucker, uh, TCT as always, and the Para Podcast, which is the important thing because you're somehow, somewhere listening to us rambling on for two hours. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week after we hammer the Broncos. Thank you. See you later. Bye, guys. See you, boys. Yeah, see ya.